This is the Welcome to Fatherhood podcast. I am your host. My name is Kelly. I am here to remind you, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, that as dads, we're just like moms, except we're dads. Ha <laughs> ha! Hi, brother. Won't you go ahead and start by introducing yourself? Hi, I am Victor Bartley. Uh, I am from originally Columbia, South Carolina in the U.S. and currently reside with my wife and three children in High Point, North Carolina. And you are also a dad. I am a dad. Go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, so it's... um, We... Got married in 2014, July 20. Our sixth anniversary just passed. I'm glad you remember the date. Oh, man. <laughs> no other way, man. No other way. I honestly remember it like yesterday. Uh, fond memories of our journey. And uh, we were blessed to be able to um, welcome our son, Back mm-hmm. in October of 2018. So we got a close to four and a half years of uh, living, adjusting, traveling, and uh, just us, just the two of us. Um, and, um, and then uh, eight months after his birth, uh, we discovered that my wife was pregnant again. Um, and uh, I guess I can go back into that story a little later, but just kind of the, the quick mm-hmm. tidbit. Um, and, uh, we, our plan was for two and, uh, our plan was for two children total. I should clarify. Okay. And after we, um, after we went to the doctor, we were surprised with the news that there were two that she was carrying. (laughs) And so we, uh, in February, First uh, of this year, welcomed our identical twin daughters, um, and so they will be six months this Saturday. Wow! And uh, so, yeah, man, we have a quiver full, as some would say, and <laughs> they are uh, growing, thriving, and, and and doing well. And we're managing, adjusting, and and uh, going through that experience. So. So yes, let's sir. talk about the adjusting piece a little bit, because I am sure then that the adjustment that you and your wife first had with your son looked entirely different than your adjustment with your twin daughters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's kind of go back. I'll go back just a bit to the adjusting. So what we did and really kind of similar to our journey in mm-hmm. general, as we were dating and preparing for marriage. Uh, we spent quite a bit of time reading and exploring and talking about, you know, just various topics. So what kind we, of stuff were you reading? <sighs> relationship books, primarily um, mm-hmm. men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Um, okay. um, we read some some books produced by our denomination, 
um, a leader in our denomination, Ellen White, um, Adventist Home. Mm -hmm. Um, We also read um, a couple, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, Um, but it's uh, Before You Say I Do, it's a workbook um, that walks you through really turning over kind of every stone of things to expect and uh, things that need to be discussed and ways to prepare and tool yourself for the journey, uh, the journey of, 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 of marriage. So those were two that immediately come off. Um, Gary Chapman did one on things I wish I knew before I said I do. Uh, we did some individual reading as well. Okay. Uh, but yeah, just kind of books along that, 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 um, that path. I can't mm-hmm. remember all of them, but we read quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and it set us on a, on a healthy path and, uh, it, it enabled us to navigate some pitfalls, okay. um, and gave us some perspective uh, for sharing with others as well, um, with, with what we were, how we were navigating things and, and the normal growing pains. Um, uh, but, uh, but also kind of gave us a leg up to avoid some of the things that most people were telling us were just going, they were just going to happen that way. Um, and so we, we use that kind of same mindset when it came to parenting, another mm-hmm. area that most people just tell you, you just kind of on the job training, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we embrace the reality of that, we were also very aware that there was quite a bit of knowledge information um, that was out there that just was untapped. Uh, and so we we began exploring parenting um, from Children Are From Heaven, a classic by uh, Dr. John Gray, the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, uh, Scream, okay. Scream Free Parenting. Um, there were, I think it's one or two other books. My wife read the ministry of motherhood. I picked up a couple of books on fatherhood and reflections from that. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of built our framework, relatively speaking. Um, Did you find those books helpful for you? The books that you picked up? About oh man, it was incredible. So the biggest thing that it did was shifted our mindset as to what parenting would involve. Um, Yeah, that was a big shifter. So we began reading those, um, How to Raise a Leader God's Way, Prudence Pollard. Um, We began reading those probably about a year or two before she got pregnant, Um, just to kind of give ourselves a head start. Mm-hmm. And not understanding that the pregnancy journey could be had a number of variables that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so we just didn't want to cram everything into nine months of time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so <laughs> we uh, we um, yeah. So we, we, we did that. We did that. And that was very pivotal for some really revolutionary mind shifting for us about parenting. Um My wife is native to the southern country in Africa, Malawi. Okay. And uh, I'm a southern boy uh, raised in a African-American home. And so in our homes, while we grew up worlds apart, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, 
hemispheres apart, I think would be the more appropriate uh, uh, reference. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, we were raised in similar discipline um, styled homes. Okay. The values were the same. The values were, were very similar. And the even the method of, of parenting and discipline were very similar as well. And so one of the things that we realized that we would naturally do what our parents did without much prompting. Mm-hmm. But in order to improve or to explore improving or growing, uh, if you may, it would require us exploring beyond what our parents could provide. And so that wasn't, you know, in any way a slight to our parents because we believe and are confident that our parents did phenomenal job with absolutely um and you know we are definitely in debt to them and even more as we continue very early in the journey of parenting uh but we realized man that that knowledge increases and it would be foolish of us not to explore what others have studied what others have learned Mm -hmm. um and and uh you know sift What's what's what doesn't need to be kept and keep the jewels that are uh, valuable and precious. And so that's what we began to do um, early on. And so when she got pregnant, the, the, the beginning of the experience was extremely traumatic. So I re- I remember it like it was yesterday, man. I've got a couple experiences <laughs> that I remember like it was yesterday. January 6, 2018, about uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, we were set to travel for a conference that began the next day in Florida. Okay. And all of a sudden, she began to have cramping pains that I had never seen her endure. And uh, I panicked, like I mentally panicked. Um, I couldn't, it was nothing that I could do to relieve the pain. It was, uh, she couldn't explain what was going on. Um, and so I was just like, I, I I just began praying. Like, I just didn't know what to do. (laughs) It was traumatic. It was traumatic. And so it had gotten so bad that I thought that I was going to have to call and cancel the flight that I had. Oh, wow. The, The flight rather that we had. And uh, just pay whatever fees came along with it just because it didn't look like she was going to get better. And at some point I was going to have to take her to the hospital. So (laughs) uh, maybe about a month after that um, is when we found out that she was pregnant with our son. And uh, of course, we're excited trying to figure out ways to share with family and all of that jazz. And and uh, I, I must, I must, I must uh, toot my horn if I may. Please uh, do. I, I, I called both pregnancies when, when my wife was, 
when she started, she, well, in both pregnancies, she showed sign. The only sign that she really showed to me of pregnancy was she was becoming very tired quickly, uh-huh. unusually. And so I said, yeah, you probably should just take a test. <laughs> she said, no, I'm not pregnant. OK, all right. I, ain't, I ain't fighting about it. So, you know, <laughs> we're not going to if, if you uh, don't think you're pregnant, then. Let's you, move you on. You don't think you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. Okay. <laughs> but I would advise you to take one, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so but uh but yeah, so eventually she took it a couple of weeks later after the initial recommendation. And so we kind of learned that in hindsight that likely what she was going through were the were some level was some level of um um contractions really. Uh, some level of contractions at before pregnancy began. So it was, uh, yeah, it was extremely interesting. And so at that point, after we kind of learned that she was pregnant and kind of looking back hindsight, 2020, like, yeah, I guess that was the sign that things were starting. Um, I said, I will never get caught flat footed like that again. (laughs) (laughs) I will never get caught flat-footed like that again. And so there were a couple of friends of mine that were that were going through pregnancy at the same time and they recommended a book um Bradley childbirth childbirthing the Bradley's method. Natural birthing I think is what it's called the Bradley's method. Okay. Um and uh, basically talked about the process what's happening during delivery, preparation for delivery how really kind of walking a father through the coaching process as well as the laboring mother through how she is to adjust her mindset and allow her body to work for her um, rather than resisting it. And so, man, we decided not to go to the class, but just read the book and do the class ourselves. Okay. And, uh, and that was clutch, man. So my wife, she's the hero of our home eternally, but uh, she, by the way, I guess, <laughs> but she, um, we, the long story short, we were able to, um, I was able to walk into the delivery room and relatively be very clear about what my role was, what I needed the doctors to do, um, how I was to coach her and kind of where she was in the process of delivery based on the signs that she was showing. And, um, yeah, man, it, it was extremely empowering um, to to have that type of education for that type of experience. Man, as you're talking, yeah. the picture that the image that comes to mind is LeBron James when he was in the Miami Heat, that game six or game seven against the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Fanning off elimination. Like, yeah. that's who I saw you as. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Just like walking into the delivery room, like, hey, yo, we are not losing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it, it was really empowering, man. It was really empowering. And so, so much to the point, like they were constantly asking, of course, as you know, they are often offering epidurals and different medications that, of course, drive up the cost and are not always the most helpful to 
the postpartum mother. Um, and so we were just like, no, we don't need it. She's doing fine. Da, 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 da. You know, it prepared me for responding to all that type of stuff. Okay. And so she was able to deliver naturally. Um, our, our son, he was a healthy young fella, eight pounds, uh, one ounce, 21 inches. And, uh, and, um, yeah. And so she was of course grateful that we were able to do it naturally. Um, so yeah, that's the end of the story. So that's just a quick plug for, for that book, the, uh, uh, childbirth in the natural, uh, Bradley's method is, is, is the uh, method that is referenced in there. Um, so during the pregnancy, we were blessed really both occasions to have uneventful pregnancies. What? So she didn't have any major symptoms or anything like that? No major symptoms. Uh, she worked full time until about three weeks before delivery. Get out of here. Yeah, man. No um, morning sickness, no, no cravings, no. Not really. Not really. She she wanted fruit. Um, okay. And to this day, our son uh, and our daughters, for that matter, uh, they uh, will down some fruit. Obviously, it's expensive on our pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, they will down some fruit. <laughs> so, so she didn't want any weird things like gasoline and pickles. No, and... man, that none of that, man. So I was preparing myself <laughs> mentally for these things. Someone told me, someone gave me a horror story. And they were like, yeah, my wife didn't even want me in the house. The smell of me just was repulsive to her. I was like, my goodness. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, this is about, this is about to be Armageddon or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, was preparing myself for that and it did never you, came. Did you have a little bag ready and all of that stuff just in case she kicked you out? <laughs> uh, man, I, I, I didn't even prepare it, but I was mentally saying like, okay, I may have to go through this joint. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, we'll see how this goes. But it never came. It never came. But um, but but while while the it was uneventful, it was extremely stressful. And one of the things that I didn't realize, and nobody really talked about, it, especially men, how stressful the journey is for you as you stand alongside your wife, partner. Um, going through the journey, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. man, it was emotionally stressful. Uh, I remember after our daughters uh, were born, I remember just confessing, like, "Baby, I can't go through this again." <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, like it was just emotionally taxing in a way that I had never uh, been stretched before. Um, and Do you mind taking us behind yeah. the curtain of what what caused or some of the causes of that stress? Because I felt the same thing, too. And I'm glad that you're bringing this out because it highlights the fact that while it is mom whose body is changing, who is feeling or in your wife's case, <laughs> not feeling a lot of things. It still is a different experience for dad. You know what I mean? Just like being wit- like being a witness to this was stressful for me. So I'm curious as to if you can take me behind the curtains of what that was like for you. 
probably the premier stressful thing is just not knowing what was going on with the child. Um, they're living inside a place that you don't have access to. <laughs> and you, you have to live in this very careful manner and at the same time, normal manner while protecting them and your wife and just being extra careful just because you don't know, just because you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that fact of alone of not knowing and of course as they start kicking more and if for a couple of hours they aren't kicking you don't know what's going on and and uh if at some point i think there was at one point where she began to have back pains Mm -hmm. um for and it wasn't anything major uh uh relatively speaking but again because that was our first experience with pregnancy you just don't know yeah uh you just don't know and so and i think also for our background and and the friends and the people that we knew we've known quite a few that have experienced miscarriages mm-hmm. and so you have that reality in the back mm-hmm. of your mind like mm-hmm. i don't know if at any point this could happen to us um, and, uh, how do we recover? How do we manage the grief? How do we live through this? Mm-hmm. Um, so of course you, you, you have those complications that could occur at in, at the drop of a hat really, um, and, uh, could happen. So you have that then added to that at the anatomy scan about five months in when we found out the gender of our child, mm-hmm. uh, or, or the, the gender of the fetus at the time, um, our, our child, we, um, we were also informed that he was showing signs of potential down syndrome. Hmm. Um, and so that was, that complicated things to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, every time you go in, they wanted you to come back for more tests and they want to mm-hmm. send you to specialists and you, you, you're driving up the cost. And so you just kind of go through these things of like, are you scamming me or is this a real <laughs> is this a real legitimate concern? Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're grateful and, and fortunate Um that uh, that our son was completely healthy and, and none of those those signs that they thought were there were present at birth. But to go through the unknowns of that for five, six months um, or there about five months, rather, at that point um, was grueling. Um, the emotional toll that it took on my wife. Um, the mental, you know, just kind of holding it together while you're living in just the unknown. And then for, as people of faith as well, just wrestling with the difficult questions of where is God and why is this something that we even have to consider? Mm-hmm. Um, and so dealing with the, the, the anger, the frustration, the denial, the, you know, just kind of going through the grieving process, as it were, um, over what was possible. It was possible. And so, um, 
that that was that was very traumatic. And of course, you you begin to once you're told that you begin to see more children that experience Down syndrome more frequently mm-hmm. and you begin to say to yourself, OK, how am I going to deal with this? Like, how do I learn to completely accept my child? And and uh, just I mean, it's just different. It's just a different experience. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just didn't, just to be frank, it wasn't something that I wanted to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I, I was just afraid of it. I really was just very afraid of it. Thank you for that bit of honesty. Yeah, man. Thank you for that bit of honesty. Because, yes, um, you know, in, in the line of work that I do, yeah. I meet a lot with parents yeah. who have very sick children. And I'm talking about, you know, if you can think it, I've most likely met a parent or will most likely meet a parent that has a child with that. In fact, this one time, this is the most mind blowing thing that I've experienced so far. I met a dad who whose daughter, she must have been, I want to say maybe about five or six. Um. She had this rare condition. And by rare, I mean, how many people are on this globe? Mm. Like uh, two billion people, whatever the case is. She was one of two billion people with that condition. So he was like, my daughter is basically writing the book on this condition. Wow. You know, and so wow. I appreciate you, you being honest enough to say that that's just not something you wanted to go through. No, because a lot of times um, when I meet with those parents, some of the things that they say to me, and I'm thinking about this one parent in particular, is that she said to me, you know, people always ask me. How could I be so uh, present for my child? How can I be so involved with my child, even though my child is sick all the time? And they just don't understand um, how beautiful of a gift a child like like her child is. And it's such a it, it's, it is beautiful because as a parent, like you, you started to go through that early process of reconciling or trying to reconcile the idea that you had the ideal, I should say that you had of having a healthy child, because I don't think any parent, if they're honest with themselves ever finds out that they're pregnant and then they say, "Woo, I hope I get a sick child. That's exactly right. So we all want to start off with a healthy child, right? And to hear that your child is going to potentially not be as healthy as you ideally wanted that child to be, it's a loss of an ideal. Absolutely. And so now you have to try to reconcile and, and find the space in between these two, the ideal and the possible reality Absolutely. of how to deal with, with that. Absolutely. And there are feelings that come with that. There are emotions that come with that. There are questions that come with that. Uh, there's a, 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 a shift of, of mentality, of focus of what, I mean, there's just so much unspoken things that happen in that window and it's a turbulent time. 
Right. Not to say that if your son were to be born with Down syndrome, that you would be like, well, I'm throwing up my hands, babe, deuces, I'm out of here. I can't handle this. No, no, yeah. That has happened. Sure. Right? Like, that has happened. There are parents who have sick children who and, and and one of them or both of them just can't handle it and they did but to not be willing to acknowledge that there is this thing that is threatening this ideal that you have to me that does a disservice because then you can't i, I believe that one can't really embrace this child sick or healthy, but in, in this case, a sick child, unless you go through that process, just like we talk about the grieving process, right? You have to go through every stages of grief in order to to find healing mm-hmm. on the other side of it. Like this is a process that also, um, I believe one must go through. Absolutely. In order to, if that is the case, you you have a sick child, in order for you to begin to embrace that child and and become open to the things that this child will teach you, you know, in in the future or you understand what I'm saying? So you have the newborn home. Your uh-huh. wife is doing, I mean, she's still putting in a lot of work. Not Absolutely. that you're not, but she's still putting in a lot of work, uh, breastfeeding uh-huh. your son, um, mm-hmm. making sure that, I guess you saw, as I did, just the mother instincts take over this person that you married and you're like, I don't even know who you are right now because you look <laughs> so different from, you know what I'm saying? At least that was sure. my experience. Sure. So your son is bonding a lot with your wife. Uh-huh. Did you feel like you were left out? No, I didn't. I didn't. I think that was also kind of where the books provided perspective on the process. Okay. And relatively just speaking to the fact that, um, you know, they will they're going to need mother um, with a great level of dependency early mm-hmm. on. And so being there to pick up, to kiss the forehead, to hold his hand and to change the diapers and to bathe. Um, um, I think it was probably two or three months in when I, when she, we first gave him a bottle and I began to feed him periodically in between in between the, the breastfeeding. So like she was pumping mm-hmm. as well as breastfeeding. And so it gave me an opportunity to begin to um, uh, to begin to bond with him as well. So uh, but yeah, man, I just took the opportunities that I that were within the schedule to do that. OK, um, so putting him down, uh, bathing him. 
um, you know, helping her with what she needed. And um, that was um, the, the, the bonding experience for me early on. And uh, I, I believe it paid great dividends. Um, even even now, uh, with I feel like I have a even early on a a, a healthy relationship with with our children. Um, early even, on for me, this was the one of the hardest parts. Got it. Okay, because he was he was spending so much time with, of course, like you said, the child at that phase is very dependent on mom. Right. Right. And you know, like right now, I joke with my son. Every time I'm carrying him and he wants to breastfeed, he like takes a dive for my chest. Oh, and I'm like, sure. broski, you're not going to find anything here. Like right, this is right. a dry <laughs> desert land. Like <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting anything here. Sure. sure but sure, sure. I didn't have that frame gotcha. that, that the books that you read provided. Yeah. And so it was hard for me to adjust on the fly with everything else that, you know, being a new parent brings. And so I was trying to figure out what my place was as a dad and how I could be effective. And so on my own, I would try to help my wife. And I think I did a, a pretty good job. I would check in with her and she appreciated the help that I lent uh, to her at that time. But it still felt very mechanic. It still felt like um, I was uh, Jeffrey from the Fresh Prince. Just, uh, you know what I'm saying? Just like, do this, thing. get that. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, and not necessarily a part of this dynamic that was going on. And yeah. it was frustrating for me. I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. And and I think, to, I mean, I think you, as you just said to that point, because I was prepped with the reality of what the early stages were going to involve, that because this was what could be done, like I had to take that up and uh, do it with joy. And so I think just because that, that kind of concept was wired within the the framework of the books. I think I just bought into it. And as I'm hearing you explain it, I'm just like, oh yeah, I can definitely see that had I not been given the perspective that was that was given to me of seeing this as the opportunities for bonding um, with both your wife, uh, who's a new mother, as well as the, the, the child. I haven't gone through any of that with any of our children actually where they won't come to me mm -hmm. or they have, you know, the challenge of not being um, or only one in their mother or uh, that, that sort of thing. So I can't speak to, to that experience that mm -hmm. some fathers have gone through. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I've, I've just done all that I could to, to take advantage of the opportunities that were early that presented themselves early um, for, for bonding and relationship building and uh, really trust building um, and, and, and security for, for the kids. So our son, uh, he absolutely hated car rides. That was probably the biggest, <laughs> the biggest surprise. We were told that if you want the kids to sleep, put them in the car and just drive. Go out for a drive. Yeah. Go out for a drive. That was so untrue for us with him. <laughs> 
If he was awake in the car, whenever we got in and started moving, he would yell hysterically. Wow. He would yell hysterically. Um, and uh, that made for some very difficult trips, uh, emotionally taxing. Um, and, and again, I, I, I want to put this disclaimer, have not laid our hands on our son to harm him in any way. But um, mm-hmm. I began to empathize with parents that did do that. Mm-hmm. I began to empathize with parents that did do that. And I said, you know, I pray that I never get to this point. Let's pause not- right there. Let's yeah. pause right there. Because what you just said is something that I said verbatim, Vic, yeah. not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have been, again, in my line of work, I have been in a room with a child that the mom or dad or some other relative put their hands on. Sure, sure, sure. And it's like, how could you be such a monster to do that? Sure. Now, here's my disclaimer. I am not excusing or condoning. Absolutely. Any of that, because the act of putting your hands on a child to shake, to hurt, to harm in any way is unequivocally wrong. Sure. What you and I are saying right now is we now have a window to see how someone could get to that point. Absolutely. And the same prayer that you prayed, bro, is the same prayer that I prayed. Lord, please give me the self-control yeah. that I may never do that to my child. Right. Because when little man start, my mom always said that whenever I cried at his age, whenever I cried, it would be so uncomfortable to hear me crying. That she would feel embarrassed because people would be looking at her wondering, why can't this lady just shush this baby up? Like, I cry, bro, as if I had some type of, like, my son right now is showing me how I cried when I was his age. Wow. And when I tell you it is so piercing as if, like... You know, as as a as a parent, as a dad, like I want to make sure that my son is okay. Right. I want to make sure that he's not in any pain. I want to make sure that he's comfortable all the time. Right. But when this little dude starts crying, it's as if there was something happening inside of him. Maybe the little tiny hands that are ripping apart his intestines or something that's causing him to just cry like that. And his it's so piercing and my anxiety just goes through the roof, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm just like, I can't, I mean, the level of the stress Mm -hmm. just goes off the charts. It's not even at a 10, like a 10 would be me being calm at that moment. It's at a hundred. You know what I'm saying? Because I I do. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I, again, I appreciate this gem of honesty that yeah. you're putting out there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. And and I think as I mean, as you just emphasized again, the importance of being able to 
hold people accountable for evil activity and yet at the same time be empathetic to the frailty of their humanity are important to hold together. And so, and you know, just as you said, you know, not condoning, but I'm not standing in condemnation either. June is when um, my wife began, uh, the end of May, beginning of June, she expressed that she was tired and kind of a similar fatigue that I had seen with our first son. I said, babe, uh, you should take a test just to, just to, just to confirm. (laughs) And of course the response was no, I'm not pregnant. I said, okay. (laughs) And, um, with this one, it was very different. Uh, I remember it was a Thursday, June. I think it was June 15th, if I'm not mistaken. It was about 7 p.m. It, this goes to show you how, how seared these are in my memory. <laughs> yeah, listen, I was about to say to you not too long ago, I am very, very uh, surprised. Not su- Surprised is not the word I want to say. Uh, what's the word I want to say? I am impressed. <laughs> by the pinpoint accuracy of date, time. Like, I even want to ask you, who was walking outside your door at that time? Listen, man. Listen. Like, you have provided, up till now, bro, you have provided month, date, year, time, what was going to happen, like pinpoint crystal clear depiction of these things Man. kudos to you brother listen listen when when certain events happen with certain level of trauma man yeah you, you can't forget them. you can't forget yeah that's you, how you know an event is truly traumatic you cannot forget that but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so we were going to an event and uh you know, had everything ironed out and packed and uh, she was trying on her dress and it did not fit. Uh And uh, it's like, you tried this on before you left a week ago and everything was fine, plenty of room and, you know, it was comfortable for you. And what happened? (laughs) Like these are the questions that are going on in both of our heads, um, yeah. and, uh, and so she obviously had to switch dress and wear something that she didn't plan to wear. So she was just very frustrated about that. I'm confused about what's going on, and just trying to do my best to to help her see and make the most of uh, of the time that 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 we do have, and so ah, so we get back. <laughs> Father's Day, uh, 2019, uh-huh. and uh, after traveling, and uh, she left the pregnancy test on our bed, 
and uh, clear as day, it was positive. I said, oh, okay. I, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of told you so, babe. I, but I, I, <laughs> I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, this is the last round. <laughs> this is the last round. So uh guess we, we just got out of it and we and, and we gotta figure our way through. So that those 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 first four months, because our son had just uh I think he was just about turning nine months, um were very taxing. So of course she was tired but even more tired than she was with our son. And so she had, you know, was gaining more weight sooner. And uh, I was just like, wow, this is very different from the first experience. And uh, still no morning sickness, none of those things. And so it's just like, huh. I don't know what's going on. Maybe just because you're having a girl, maybe just this is just different. Um, now, now during this experience, the first one, she didn't do a lot of crying, um, I guess unexpected or sporadic crying with this one early on, there were more moments of, of, of the sporadic crying and, you know, consoling that was different. And so I just said, okay, you know, this is different. And then something just kind of came out of my mouth just as a, I don't know. It was just, I thought it was just a logical conclusion just to um, just to kind of take the edge off of her concern about her early weight gain. Okay. And so I said, baby, oh boy. Oh boy. May, maybe you're just carrying twins or something. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> and I, I'm relatively not thinking much of it. I'm just like, you know, there's got to be, I guess my whole thing was, there's got to be an explanation for this. Right, right. This has got to be some <laughs> logical explanation. <laughs> there's got to be some logical explanation for this. Like, it's not you, baby. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we go to the sonogram. I think it was July. Um, our anniversary was the 20th. So we went in that Wednesday, I think it was. And so, uh, and, and, and so that, that would have made it about the six, 15th, 16th or 17th. And, uh, it was a morning appointment. Our son was with us. And by the way, that morning was crazy because we left his diaper bag, his diapers, he, he oh, wet his clothes. Man. Like it was just one of those worst parenting days that we had. <laughs> man, we just doing everything wrong. <laughs> Not everything, but everything wrong. So, <laughs> so, and those days are more often, they happen more often than people, than people, oh, you yeah. know, imagine. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was just our day. And uh, we get in the sonogram and uh, we're sitting there with the sonographer who happened to be the same sonographer that uh, saw our son at the last the last couple of weeks before he was born. So it's like, okay, cool. Good to see you again. And, yeah, um, you know, she was very kind and, um, you know, just very supportive um, as medical staff. and, And we were just, you know, we just shared our gratitude to her. Uh, for 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 her professional and uh, compassionate 
uh, mm-hmm. approach to 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 her job. So as she's looking and not saying much, we're looking to um, and we're just saying like, OK, well, maybe we were wrong about pregnancy or whatever. But like, obviously, we do see uh, embryos at that time that an embryo at that time that was moving. And so we're just like, oh, OK, then we kept she kept looking and we said <laughs> something doesn't look the same as it did with him. <laughs> And so, of course, we're just sitting there and we're waiting for her to give an explanation or to say anything. So for us, it was just like either it didn't even cross our mind that there were more than one. And what crossed our mind was, uh oh, there may be something that else that's going on that we may need to be concerned about. You're thinking more like. uh, Like a terminal type of something possibly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just kind of preparing myself. I was already sitting down. I had our son on my lap, um, and uh, was was sitting at the the head of the the um, the seat that my wife was being examined on. Mm-hmm. And um, um, no, 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 no. I wasn't sitting. I was sitting slightly across the room because of the way that the the um, place was laid out. And uh, but I was looking at her as I was looking at the screen. And I uh, just kind of was just waiting. And uh, then the sonographer opened up her mouth and I'll never forget what she said. She said, "Um, well, guys, I don't know how to say this, (laughs) but it looks like you have two boogers in there. (laughs) And what happened to your world at that time? My wife, I remember it was it was like one of those movie scenes where you hear somebody talking, you hear a response to the person that was initially talking. So my wife at this point is just continually saying no, 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 no. And I mentally blacked out. I mentally blacked out and um, the sonographer kind of asked a few moments. She's like, dad, are you still with this? I was like, nope, I'm (laughs) tracking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. So that was the beginning of, of, of that experience. And so it got traumatic with this pregnancy immediately. Oh, because what was told to us that from the looks of things, they appear to be mono, um, mono, mono twins, um, which, again, obviously twins. I just thought all twins were twins were twins mm-hmm. and uh, begin to learn the very different world that surrounded the gestational journey of pregnancy with twins and uh so mono mono was next in high risk to congenial twins Mm -hmm. and so obviously we know the the survival rate of congenial twins is very low well mono mono twins is not much higher than that um and so when we hear that the high risks that are associated with this. And so just kind of to give a layman's perspective for this mono mono twins are basically two people that are sharing the same room in an apartment and essentially sharing the same bed. 
Um, and so you have two people that are on this in the same room, in the same bed, and they are growing as they are sharing that bed. Mm-hmm. Um, the potential for so many things is extremely high just because of those conditions. So it was um, it was difficult those first couple of weeks, probably the first two months, I, I think it was that we were we were told that it seems that they are mono mono twins now about just before the end of the first trimester or right around the end of the first trimester we got the good news that there was a uh they were seeing an amniotic break between them which moved them from mono mono to mono die twins which simply means that they are in the same apartment but have separate rooms mm-hmm. And uh, that was a tremendous uh, relief for us. Obviously, still did not take away the fact that they were classified as high risk because they were identical twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was it was um, it was definitely a point of relief for us during the the journey. So with that, of course, there were a bunch of tests that came along with mono die or identical uh, twins. So I, I and, and again, this was, I'm sharing this just because I realized that I was completely ignorant about the diversity of twins uh, of the twin world. But there are two generic, I guess, two categories of twins. You have the fraternal twins mm-hmm. and the identical twins. Mm hmm. Uh, they are labeled that way, not based on gender. Well, gender does have a part to play with it, but they're labeled that way based on whether or not two eggs were fertilized or mm-hmm. one egg was fertilized and, and split. Then split. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our girls are the result of one egg being fertilized by one sperm and splitting. Um into two separate embryos, mm-hmm. uh, thereby sharing the same uh, genetic makeup and all that other stuff that comes along with the label of identicalness. Um, and so the um, with that, there are some health risks that come along with that uh, potential health risk. There's a higher probability of them, one or both of them having Um, heart issues Mm -hmm. and so there were tests that were being run for that and it was just constantly we were we lived in the doctor's office So let me ask you uh, this question, uh, and then we could start landing the plane a little bit. Sure. So one word that you've repeated throughout the course of our conversation so far is trauma. Yeah. What does that do for you as a dad? And and like how does how do these experiences 
uh, affect you and your role as a dad with your children? Yeah, so one of the big things that is very important to me and, and my wife is teaching our children emotional health and intelligence. Okay. okay. And so how we deal with the trauma and the challenge is uh, as important as overcoming the challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so with that, the trauma, as you know, as I shared earlier, is seared into my conscience. Um, but it also served as a maturing, uh, training of sorts, Mm -hmm. uh, for parenting. And, and, and I think I just began to see it as, okay, this is helping you walk so that you will be able to run as things become more complex uh, in some way, shape or form and challenging Um, as you will be required to be more emotionally present as they go through the terrific twos and they go through their sibling disputes as they go through their emotional development and pure puberty. And I realized that it's, easy to emotionally check out. Um, and the fight, especially as a man to be emotionally, constantly emotionally present, Mm -hmm. um, for both our children as well as for my wife is, is a real struggle. Um, just because as a society, I think in most societies, men have been given the license to physically check out and emotionally check out in the parenting journey because it's just so unnatural um, to us. Hmm. What do you mean by unnatural? uh, At least that's what is, that's what's, I, I feel I've heard more frequently that we naturally are project oriented, that we don't get into the emotions of things and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we provide and, you know, and that's kind of it. You know, that raising kids is the mother's job. Um, I feel in most cultures, there's some level of that same chorus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Of, of, of that same chorus. And I think from my reading and, and our discussions about what we wanted and, um, there was the desire for us to be more present. Now I do have to give a big shout out to my dad. Uh, My mom constantly reminds me as she watches me with the kids that Mm -hmm. I remind her so much of him um, and how involved he was with us when we were growing up. And so, um, you know, the impact, I think it just really goes to show the subconscious impact that parents have on children Mm-hmm. Uh, is is tremendous. Uh, is is tremendous. So, so um, I'm gonna ask you to give a proper shout out to your dad. What's your dad's name? Vincent Bartley. All right. So yeah. shout out to Mr. Vincent Bartley. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me ask you this uh, second sure. to last question. Sure. What is one thing that your three children, each individual child, has taught you? about yourself so far? 
what has each child taught us me uh, so mm-hmm. our son i think introduces and and i i think our girls are definitely going to reinforce it but our son has taught me to loosen up a little more okay yeah loosen up a little bit more i think as a parent that comes from a as a from a strong disciplined background mm-hmm. um there is the desire to have the child that isn't going to uh be wild or crazy and, and mm-hmm. all these negative things and so um sometimes can be a little overbearing and uh you know he'll do something mischievous or say something that's funny and it's just kind of the reminder like relax a little bit man (laughs) relax a little bit let the kid live he's gonna do some crazy stuff and you know be there to support to direct and guide but but loosen up a bit so um he has he's teaching that and 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 he's really big on i think teaching me and reteaching me the importance of just enjoying the simple things. Okay. Um, he loves to be outside um, in, in 90 degree plus weather. He, he want to be outside and wants to play, <laughs> but he's also at this point where he needs a lot of emotional support mm-hmm. and guidance. And uh, he loves hugging a lot. Mm-hmm. And giving kisses to everybody. And so um, I think it's just reemphasizing the importance of affection um, and the the way that it provides a sense of security, assurance and confidence um, for for people in general, mm-hmm. um, but especially for for children as they are being molded. Um, our daughters are, um, our daughters are super cute. Um, (laughs) and I think the, I think the, I think there's a part of me is just like, okay, it's two of y'all at the same time. I, I don't have the leverage to be getting, allowing one of y'all to wrap me around your finger. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's a death threat for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, like if I just had one at a time, then that'd be a little different, but it's like, it's two of y'all at the same time. I cannot afford that. But I think they're re- reiterating the, just, just by their presence, reiterating the importance of loosening up um, and, and just learning to love in a different way. Um, they are, and they're extremely cute. Like, I think I just wanted to be the parent. It's like, okay, like you just got to focus on parenting and like can't get caught up in all this stuff. But I think they're just, in, just really just by their presence, their smile, their laughter and the way they interact with each other, uh, especially at this point, reiterating just the beauty of the simplicity of life mm-hmm. um, and connecting with them and enjoying their journey. Um and, and allowing it to be a part of the joy of my journey too. Last question. Yeah. What does fatherhood mean for you? Fatherhood means, I would say, being a loving husband, a loving uh, husband that models um, 
in 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 our marital context that that models equality uh, for our children um, with so many you know different perspectives on how a home should be run um, and and operated. We have chosen to embrace the more egalitarian um, perspective of the equality of the husband and wife. And um, I think that's extremely important for our kids to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a part of fatherhood to me. Um, the other side of fatherhood is, is living out faith um, and, and modeling for our, and, and guiding our children to be free um, to embrace who they are, mm-hmm. uh, who they have been made to be, rather than trying to control the narrative to make them what I think they should be. Thank you so much for continuing to support the Welcome to Fatherhood podcast. And a very special thanks to my guest, Victor Bartley, for this wonderful conversation. If you would like to get in contact with me about this episode or about this podcast in general, there are two ways in which you can do so. You can email WTFatherhoodPodcast at gmail.com with your comments or questions. Or you can join the Welcome to Fatherhood Facebook page to leave your questions and your comments there. We've been going strong at this now for quite some time and I'm excited to continue this going. And so I look forward to spending time together again next week with the release of a brand new episode. And thank you to those who have continued to share this podcast with those in your communities. A very special thanks to those who have written reviews and who have rated this podcast on the platforms that you listen. Thank you so much as you are helping new listeners find out about this podcast as well. Remember that as dads, we're really just like moms, except we're dads. Talk to you next week.